Welcome to Primary Care Today on ReachMD. I'm your host, Dr. Brian McDonough, and with me is Dr. Hugh Bonner. Dr. Bonner is Associate Director of the St. Francis Hospital Family Medicine Residency Program. I've had the pleasure to work with him for many years. Dr. Bonner was trained at the University of Pennsylvania Medical School and really has a lot of views about family medicine. I think we're ahead of their time. Years before all of us were talking about evidence-based medicine and the importance of it, you really believed in it. And let's start with that point, Dr. Bonner. When you talk about evidence-based medicine and using evidence to treat your patients, why do you feel it is so important? And, and do you think we're doing a good job as doctors? Uh, well, I think we're, we're doing a much better job as time goes by. I think it really has become a, a central focus for uh, so many doctors now. And, and I, I think what it, what it means, I guess, to me is to really be able to use uh, clinical evidence from studies, uh, well-controlled and high-quality studies, and good evidence to help come to uh, recommendations that you make uh, when you uh, suggest care for your patients. So when you do this, when you look at it, I mean, it just seems like there's so much, as we all know, to remember and keep in the back of your mind. Do you focus on specific areas and read up on it? How do you keep up with the evidence, and how do you use it as part of your day-to-day work with your patients? That's a very good question. Um, uh, number one, I think, is to have some sources that you really trust because you can't do all the footwork and, and chase down every uh, recommendation yourself. So uh, we use very often the uh, United States Preventive Service Task Force. Uh, we use American Diabetes Association, the JNC7 for high blood pressure, uh, and other such organizations, uh, and try to look at their uh, care guidelines and recommendations and, and use that as a starting point. Often now in this age of, of the web as well, when you're seeing a patient, you may not know the answer to something. And, and I find you can often take the time, look it up, and, and find a good answer with the patient. And, and I do think that they enjoy that. Patients who do this with you and look things up with you, clearly they're part of the care. Is that a big factor, making the patient a part of your care? Uh, it is. Uh, the patient center Medical Home has one of its uh, foundational ideas that the patient needs to be very involved in their own care. Um, And and so that level of patient awareness and knowledge and involvement, I think, is very important. Dr. Bonner, you have a dog, a pet, a friend. How many pets do you have at home? We have one dog. Uh, (laughs) He's making his national debut. Uh, Well, we're talking about, you know, patient-centered medical home. You brought the topic up, and it clearly is something where... I think a lot of primary care doctors, whether they're family physicians, internists, or OB, pediatrics, they hear the term, but not a lot of them really have understood what it is. And, in, you know, in, in general terms, what is a patient-centered medical home? What does it mean for patients as far as providing the best care for them? And how do you view it? Uh, it's, that's a very good question, and there's lots of components to it. Uh, if you go to the AAFP, the American Academy of Family Physicians uh, website, uh, they have a lot of information on the patient-centered medical home, and they've chosen to, to break it into four main uh, areas, practice organization, uh, quality care, health information technology, and, and patient-centered care. Uh, and they, ha- they have it as a, as a home with different bricks is the way they sort of make a uh, metaphor for it. And, and the base of it uh, they consider to be really a primary care. And when you say primary care, like I grouped a lot of different groups, is that, is that fair to say it's your family docs, it's your internists, OB, pediatricians, are they primarily the groups they're talking about? Yeah, I think that's how we, we all do view it, um, general internists, general pediatricians, uh, family physicians, and in some settings as well, the obstetricians play that role. 
when you're dealing with this and the whole concept of it, you know, we've had different versions of it. I mean, there'd be some who would say, well, you know, primary care doctors have been doing this forever. Why are we making a big deal about it now? What is the difference? What is the big deal about it now? Um, there, there actually are a number of differences, and uh, you have to think about it for a while, I think, for it to kind of come into focus. One aspect of it is that the whole office has to work at a higher level. They say that the, the, the receptionists and the, the front office staff, the nursing staff, the uh, medical assistants, uh, all the way up through the physicians, everybody needs to work at the top of their degree. It's one concept. The patient involvement in decision process and awareness um, patient portals, uh, where we, we don't have that yet in our office, but we're trying to move that way over the next year or two, and, and, and a number of offices uh, around the country have already gone in that direction, where the patient has access to their own uh, health record electronically uh, via the web. They can see lab results. Uh, ideally, they can see their care plan for their different illnesses, their preventive care needs. Um, so that's an aspect of it. Uh, another is uh, disease registries where you have all your, say, all your diabetics and you can quickly bring up a registry, it's called, uh, of the results for their hemoglobin A1C, their, their Pneumovax, and all the other quality measures. Uh, and you track quality measures. So uh, 10 or 20 years ago, we tended to just kind of, we'd see the patient, we'd make some recommendations, and then we'd see them back in six months and we'd say, well, how'd you do and did you follow up? And with the patient-centered medical home concept, uh, uh, you really keep on top of these things. If your patient's due for hemoglobin A1C, you try to proactively call them. Uh, if your patient was seen in the emergency room, you, you ask a staff member to, to make a call, see how, how they're doing. Did they understand the directions for the emergency room? Did they have follow-up scheduled? Uh, so it's, it's a much more involved process. Uh, probably does cost a little more upfront to deliver that level of care. Uh, and so one thing that the primary care community needs is they need sort of a, a buy-in from the insurance industries, Medicare, Medicaid, to sort of support this higher level of care uh, for the patients. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Primary Care Today on ReachMD. I'm Dr. Brian McDonough. I'm speaking with Dr. Hugh Bonner. We're talking now about the patient-centered medical home, talking a little bit about the costs associated with it, and partnering something different, you know, from the private practice physician of old, that they're now being thrust into a world of partnering, whether it's hospitals, uh, whether it's uh, insurance companies, whether it's maybe a community program. There seems to be a lot of partnering and conversations going on. Maybe you can address that. And do you think it's a good thing, a bad thing? Are we, are we moving in a positive direction? And if not, how do we get to move in a positive direction? Uh, right now, there's a lot of different models, it seems, around the country that are being explored, and, and I'm not sure how it's all going to shake out over the next uh, five or ten years. Uh, I guess as a primary care doc, I have a, a bit of a bias toward a simpler model where uh, the primary care physician, whether he's an internist or a pediatrician or a family physician uh, or an uh, OB-GYN, um, really controls the, the, the type of care, uh, has a very patient-centered uh, uh, office and the larger models where you incorporate with hospitals or with ACOs is a bit more complicated. You're building a bigger structure. And so uh, I think for me, uh, it'll be a matter of sort of waiting and seeing whether a more complicated model like an ACO or a hospital physician uh, cooperation versus a smaller PCMH model, which is really uh, the office and the patient. So a lot of it is waiting to see what happens over time and figuring it out with your patients. What about the role of EMRs? 
electronic records, uh, meaningful use stage one, two, three, all those things. How is that helping? Is it slowing down the process? I've, I've heard on this program alone many opinions from many different people. What's your thoughts? Meaningful use really has a lot of quality measures. It's really all about quality measures, and it really relies on an EHR to be able to measure those quality measures. And the patient-centered medical home uh, has at its basis as well the idea of health information technology uh, and of quality measures. So there's, there's actually a lot of overlap between the goals of the PCMH and, and the different stages of meaningful use. Uh, so I think that, that that's a really synergistic kind of relationship there. And, and I think that the EHRs is, I know that, I believe we've crossed 50% of doctors using EHRs now. And, and I really think that the tools and, and what the EHRs allow uh, are going to be essential toward uh, improving the quality of the system. And the knowledge, you know, the ability to do this, it varies by the strength of your system. You mentioned, you know, your, your system is working at one level, others work at others. Um, what about physician control over what they pick for their system. I know a lot of people who work for hospital systems or others may not get to choose their own system. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I think that uh, there's, there's quite a lot of systems right now, so the industry hasn't really shaken itself out in that regard. Uh, and, and there's a lot of difference in the quality of the different programs that you can buy to be your EHR, uh, difference in cost um, and, and how robust the system is. What I've often thought is that when we have a resident who graduates from our program and when the EHR decision is like the eighth decision they have to make instead of one of the top two or three decisions, I think that we will have gotten there. When uh, there is a smaller number of, of EHRs, all of them very high quality, all of them able to uh, meet the needs of the patient, uh, meet the parameters of meaningful use, uh, I, I think when we get to that point where uh, right now is we as physicians who have been practicing for the last number of years have struggled with which EHR to buy, uh, and then once we buy one, we've we found some features we like and some features we don't like. Uh, and, and I do think in another decade or so, uh, we will sort it through that process, uh, and, and it will be much easier to buy an EHR, and the system you get will be really work well. You're the perfect person to ask mid-career, and that would be a question of, you saw some of the so-called good days. Uh, you've seen maybe some of the struggles. And now you're involved also in education, looking towards the future. You know, what is your view of primary care in America today? And has it been a disappointment? Is it something where you see great potential? What's your view? Well, I think um, the the business uh, struggles have, have been there. It, I think for all of us, it's a uh, it's a tough model in some ways from business. I think the the life itself of a primary care physician is is, is uh, for really for most or all of us very rewarding, uh, and and the day to day work is very rewarding. I think we do need to find ways to simplify the system so that our physicians can spend more time thinking about the care they offer and less time thinking about how to navigate the system. The system is getting more complex, some say, but then others will tell you, well, once we get past a few of the barriers here and there, it's going to get better. Uh, what do you think would be the big step to make things better? I mean, we're looking at patient-centered medical home. We're looking at a complex medical system. We're looking at computers, all these things. What do you see as the big change that could occur to get us to that next level? A few things. Number one, as I was just saying before, when the software that we use uh, is more standardized and of, of kind of across the board a higher quality, uh, which I think we're getting there pretty quickly, maybe another five or ten years I think we'll really have worked through a lot of those details. 
In Delaware, we have something called the, the DIN, the Delaware Health Information Network, and many states are in uh, varied states of various, various degrees of progress of building this, where you can uh, access records from the local hospitals, uh, the local laboratories uh, for blood testing, and the local radiology facilities. Right from your EHR, you can access that data. And I think when we get to the point where it's easy to really access your patient's data across different systems and when the systems talk to each other, uh, that'll be a big step forward. I think if we get to the point where there's, there's better financial support for the PCMH model uh, and it's a better, more established model that's easier to set up in an office, I think that will make the day-to-day life easier and, and the care that's offered to patients, uh, I think, will be better. One of the problems, of course, is there is no textbook for this. Most of us, you know, we learned, we read textbooks, we did things online. It, it's really hard because we're, we're kind of figuring this out as we go. I know, again, talking to people on this program from all over the country, it, it is definitely a, a big unknown. We're not sure what's going to happen. Yeah, I think that's right. I think we really are living through the transition. And um, those of us, I finished my training in 96 in residency, uh, and, and at that time, it was all a paper world. There, was, there weren't concepts of meaningful use, and, and I don't remember the PCMH being talked about. So tremendous progress over that time. And I, I think we're really midstream in this whole transition. And, and so midstream is always probably a turbulent space, you know, place to be. I, I do think, uh, I hope that uh, years down the road, we will look back and we'll say, boy, we really went through a lot, learned a lot, and we've really gotten to a better place through all this transition. Going forward as a primary care doctor, what do you see as the greatest medical challenge from a disease standpoint, from treating your patients? What do you see as the biggest battle? Some people say obesity. Others will say infectious disease. From your standpoint, what do you see as the biggest thing for you in dealing with patients? I would say maybe we need uh, nutrition is is not as good as it should be across the board. Uh, So I think we need improvements in that, and that would impact on some of these other diseases like uh, diabetes, uh, as you mentioned, um, obesity, um, cholesterol, and heart disease. So I think nutrition would be important, um, getting people to exercise. Uh, I think people have a lot of work stresses on them now, which uh, can have a negative impact on their health. Some of those larger societal issues, I think, can be a stress for people. Uh, and, and then I think really getting through this transition and sort of building those um, uh, PCMHs that we want to build and, and, and building those health information networks that we're hoping to do, I think that as well will be a benefit for the health of our patients and ourselves. Dr. Eubonner, we've run out of time. I want to thank you for joining and sharing your insights. Thank you. I'm Dr. Brian McDonough. We'll talk to you next time on Primary Care Today.